Hello, and welcome to the Indie Author Method Podcast, where we interview independent and self-published authors on their processes and how they can help you on your writing journey. I am your host, best-selling and award-winning author, Andrew J. Brandt. Before we get to our interview today, this episode of the Indie Author Method is brought to you by Boardwalk Shirts. Founded in Los Angeles, Boardwalk is an artist-owned and operated apparel brand offering a fun selection of gifts and apparel for men, women, and kids. Their products are designed and hand-printed in their LA headquarters using eco-friendly inks. Check out their selection. My favorite design, and one you'll see me often wearing in my Instagram posts, is the Support Your Local Library tee. Plus, get 10% off your next Boardwalk order using promo code INDIE at BoardwalkShirts.com. That's promo code INDIE at BoardwalkShirts.com. This episode is also brought to you by Bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local, independent bookstores. We believe that bookstores are essential to a healthy culture. They are where authors can connect with readers, where we discover new writers, in which children get hooked on the thrill of reading that can last a lifetime. They're also anchors for our downtowns and communities. As there are more and more people buying their books online, Bookshop.org wanted to create an easy, convenient way for you to get your books and support bookstores at the same time. You see, Bookshop.org has given away over $18 million and over 75% of their profit margins to stores, publications, authors like myself, and others who make up a thriving, inspirational culture around books. I know for me personally, I haven't been, I haven't bought an actual book from the big store, you know what I'm talking about, in a very long time. For me, it's important that we cultivate and support our local independent bookstores. Whenever I'm shopping for books online, I always go to bookshop.org, and you can too, and also support this podcast by shopping at bookshop.org slash shop slash writer brand. That's me, bookshop.org slash shop slash writer brand. Links to both Boardwalk and Bookshop.org will be posted in the show notes. Now, on to the interview. Today on the show, I've got Hannah Morrissey. She's a self-described three-decade survivor of Wisconsin winters. Though her education began at a two-room schoolhouse, it concluded at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where she earned a Bachelor's of Arts in English with an emphasis in creative writing. Between roles of bookseller and copywriter, she spent three and a half years transcribing police reports, which became the basis and inspiration for her debut novel, Hello Transcriber, which released through Macmillan in November of 2021. Today, we'll talk about those early years of contemplating that story that would become Hello Transcriber, her literary inspirations, the query process, and why her TBR pile never seems to get any smaller. Hannah, welcome to the Indie Author Method. How are you? Hey, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, before we actually got into it, before I hit record, we were talking about how you are the first traditionally published author that I'm going to have on the show. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. <laughs> I think you'll have a lot of uh, insight into the process of querying and, and getting an agent and all that stuff. So I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, uh, the biggest question I ask, the first one I ask is, how did you become a writer? Oh, man, that's a big question. <laughs> Do you ask everybody this one? <laughs> it's the first one. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, I guess it's different for everybody, but I think um, with writers, they always kind of have it in them. I mean, as cliche as that kind of sounds, but 
yeah, I always, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. So I just sort of took that path, like all through, all through school. I went to college for an English and creative writing degree. And I just always focused on surrounding myself with books and writing in my free time. And, you know, I think just doing, knowing that you'll do whatever it takes to get, to get published and get your work out there. You know, I grew up in a library. Uh, my grandmother was a librarian, so I was around books from a, a really young age. Oh, cool. And, you know, grew up reading like Goosebumps books in <laughs> elementary school and then moving up to uh, like Stephen King and Michael Crichton. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, so I what were some Michael of the... Crichton. He's one yeah. of my favorites. Well, I was going to ask, you know, what are some of the books that you grew up with, you know, that, that inspired you, kind of made you say, I, I can do this too? Yeah, I think... Um... I don't know. It's odd because, I'll, you know, because I write thrillers and I gravitate toward crime fiction now. Um, it's it's funny. I think it's quite unexpected that I did not grow up reading those kinds of books. I really had like zero exposure to the thriller genre until I started writing it. I was actually a big fantasy nerd. I loved fantasy books and speculative fiction. So I mean, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park, like those are my yeah. favorite books. But I also really loved literary books, too. And I still, when I read, you know, quote unquote, outside of my genre, I do like to read literary novels. And I love the classics, like A Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde and Les Mis by Victor Hugo. So I would say that books with that literary bent really they influence my writing because I think that's how I aspire to be all the time. I love that idea that you can write in a commercial genre or you can write a commercial book with literary writing. Kind of the same thing for me is I love the classics. You know, I'm, yeah. I reread Wuthering Heights often. I'm a huge Shakespeare nerd. Oh, me too. <laughs> but a lot like you, you know, I kind of, I grew up reading a lot of Star Wars novels, even now, uh, even though, I don't really read a whole lot of other fantasy or science fiction. I'm, I'm a Star mm-hmm. Wars geek and I'll read anything with that Star Wars logo on the front cover. <laughs> but I think, you know, as a writer, it's important that we, that we cull information from other genres right? and, and learn how, you know, character building and world building are done, mm-hmm. you know, in that kind of genre. Oh, right. I think because, you know, say like character building and world building, like you said, that really does, it translates across genres. And I think if you're, if you're always writing or if you're always reading thrillers and writing thrillers or, you know, reading fantasy and writing fantasy, the books would just become so formulaic and you wouldn't really have anything that's, you know, truly original anymore. I think my, my biggest I would say guilty pleasure is I'm a huge rom-com fan. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anything that like Abby Jimenez puts out or uh, Lisa <laughs> K. Adams bromance book club series, mm-hmm. uh, even some independent authors like uh, uh, Jen Morris, you know, I'll, I'll just devour everything. They, mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, watching Matthew McConaughey uh, rom-com movies. And so yes. uh, even now as an adult, uh, I, I love, I love a good rom-com. Same. Yeah. Sometimes you just sometimes you just need one, some like kind of brain candy. Um, I have I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody about how I need to amp up my romance reading, which is not something I usually read too often. But 
you know, it's important if you're going to write that stuff. I, I don't know that I'll ever come out and write a romance novel. I don't, I don't think I'd be that great at it, but if you are going to incorporate romantic elements in your books, you do need to expose yourself to that. So I'm asking people for recommendations. So if you have any, please send them my way. I sure will. And that's actually really interesting to me because in Hello Transcriber, I thought you did some of the romantic elements very well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get into the book in a bit, but, um, you know, you had mentioned again before we started recording that this is a book you've been working on for a long time. Um, yeah. So, out of college, you you worked as a police transcriber for uh, for a bit, mm-hmm. and that became the basis for Hello Transcriber. Yep. What was it like taking some of those you know real life elements? You know, Stephen King says, you know, write what you know. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you of taking those elements and crafting a, a fictional story around it? When you work as a police transcriber, it's it's just really interesting. It's something that you kind of have to take yourself out of it for a second and look at the bigger picture. And especially if you're coming into that as a writer, you just have to realize how interesting of a job that is. And I think when, you know, when we write characters, we seek to write somebody that can have a unique perspective. So even though a lot of what happens in that in that realm or that job of being a police transcriber or confidential. I mean, just what you are able to tell people, even the fact that you say, I transcribe police reports or, you know, I stay up all hours of the night from 10 PM to 6 AM. And then I listen to detectives and they tell me all the gritty goings on of the city that I live in. You know, that's a really interesting job for people. So I think just, you know, being able to, create a character who can be in that kind of position and create that kind of intrigue. And then knowing that I had just like this wealth of information to draw from, uh, was really helpful. (laughs) Uh, I I don't want to give away too much from the book. I've I've read it and I absolutely adored it. I loved it. Um, but you know, nobody came at your window with a severed finger, did they? (laughs) No. Um, but I would watch people all the time. It was so interesting to me. I mean, I am a lot like Hazel and it is very much Stephen King, you know, write what you know, where it's, I would sit in my office and just looking out across the parking lot and I would see drug deals happening 10 feet away from the police department. (laughs) And I'm just like, what kind of place does this happen at? So, you know, you kind of, then your mind gets going and you're thinking of like what other things could happen. And then you just start dreaming and imagining things and that's how you know you get somebody coming up to your window writing a message in the frost with a finger i'm going to take a stab and say that this probably was not your first attempt at writing a novel no and and i say that because it's it's very very well done um (laughs) as i was i mean as i was reading it I, i i could not believe that this was your debut this is your first novel because it was you know, like I said, it was really well written. What was it about Hello Transcriber, though, that made you confident and comfortable enough with this kind of story to query it to agents? When I sat down to write Hello Transcriber, I mean, it was it was not my first attempt at, you know, writing a novel or even trying to get one published. I mean, trying to get, you know, a literary agent that is, you know, a super intensive process. But yeah, I mean, I think Hello Transcriber was number five of the manuscripts that I had written and queried. And 
I was, you know, writing a lot of fantasy, even a dystopian, which I still love and may go back to. I hope to go back to it, but it wasn't. And then, you know, that just, it wasn't working out. And, you know, people, the ultimate critique I got was that people weren't really connecting with the main character. So I had to take a step back and realize that maybe they weren't connecting with the main character because I wasn't connecting to the main character. So, mm-hmm. you know, and with fantasy, it's a lot of you're, you are creating a world, you are imagining a world. So I thought, let's, let's create a character who, do, who does what I do. So I know how to write about, you know, what she's going through and somebody who's kind of dropped into this grim, dark city and just, you know, kind of write what I know from there. I'm able to explore on my own and, you know, gather my own intel. So I really went about it that way. And yeah, for the longest time, I just would jot down observations and notes, kind of, you know, taking observations of how people speak at the police department, um, just because I thought that was interesting, just kind of collecting words that people would say that I'd never heard before, um, like indicative and pursuant and investigatable and just different things. But um, yeah, for the longest time, I just kind of had this document on my computer called Noir Novel because I didn't really know what it was. And this was kind of my make it or break it. I'm like, I'm going to try this. And if this manuscript doesn't go anywhere, then maybe I'm, I'm going to have to try something else. <laughs> I find it really interesting that your outline or your folder of information was called Noir Novel, because I think it perfectly <laughs> encapsulates what Hello Transcriber is. I mean, it's moody, it's dark, it's noir. Are there elements from noir and crime fiction that enticed you into writing Hello Transcriber, or is it something wholly new to you? For the most part, it was wholly new to me. I... Yeah, I I could maybe, I could count on one hand for sure how many crime or thriller novels I'd read up to that point um, because I was so entrenched in fantasy all the time. But there is something so compelling and attractive about the sort of crime slash noir genre that I find. I just, I love grim, dark novels, you know, kind of just these dark places where people live in the gray but there's always that sort of light of redemption in each character and sometimes you have to really dig to find it but it's there so yeah yeah i just i think you can create such richness out of a dark and drab world sometimes and that's that's one of the most attractive things about writing to me is just sort of finding that beauty you know in the shattered glass and you know, maybe the cocaine sprinkled on the sidewalk and different things. And so, yeah, I would say that's the most attractive thing about that genre for me. You're talking about how Hazel is a lot like you personality-wise. Mm-hmm. I just got to ask, is is Nick wholly made up? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know. He really came up, I mean... In a lot of ways, yeah, yeah, he is made up, but he, I did borrow a lot of mannerisms um, from my husband. Okay. So who I met, um, he was an SIU, like a special investigations unit detective when I met him. And there was something really interesting about meeting somebody for the first time and just hearing their voice over a recorder, you know? So yeah. I- and I thought that was so imaginative and so well done. 
Oh, um, thank you. That well, that Hazel, uh, you know, she's she's describing, you know, hearing that voice mm-hmm. uh, in her head and imagining what this person would look like. Right, and I used to do that when I worked as a transcriber. I mean, because I was on the night shift, so I really didn't see anybody at work. I I could go you know, down a series of hallways and go, get to the sergeant's office. So there'd maybe be, you know, two or three guys in there at any given time. But for the most part, it was lights off, offices are locked, and I was just alone in this room in the dark typing reports. And you really had nobody with you except for whoever was talking to you on the recording. So it was a very one-sided conversation, but I just found that super interesting because I think you it's kind of like when you read a book, you're imagining the characters. And when you hear somebody's voice over a recorder telling you a story, albeit, you know, it's, it's a story about a crime that just happened. But, you know, they're, for all intents and purposes, telling you a story and you're just naturally going to imagine what that person looks like. And then, you know, two or three weeks later you might see them sometime and they don't look anything like what you thought they would. Talking about being alone in the, uh, in the police building like that, that sounds more like the basis to a horror novel to me. So, yeah. Sometimes I scared myself every time, <laughs> like walking through the records area. I think I ran through it. <laughs> I'm like, Oh gosh, I hope they're not watching me on the cameras. Cause they must laugh every night. <laughs> Well, confession. There are still times where I take the trash to the to the dumpster in the alley, and I I spook myself and run back. I would every time taking the trash <laughs> in the alley. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I just took my dog with me to do the laundry in the basement. <laughs> I didn't want to be alone down there. <laughs> let's let's get into your your writing process. So you have the background for what Hello Transcriber would be. You, know, you said you, you made a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. Are you are you what they call it pantser or plotter. You know, what does your writing process look like? <laughs> well, I was a pantser. I, I think I'm like a recovering pantser trying to be a plotter. But I, I feel that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be a true blue plotter because I'm someone who I have to get I have to get in there for a little bit and start writing and that's how I, you know, generate a lot of my ideas. Cause you know, a, a word you know, just one word can spark something and then you're off in a whole different direction or they help fill in the gaps. So I, I was a pantser, but now that I, you know, work with a, a publisher, I do have to be a plotter (laughs) and I try my very best and they try and help me. I call mine, uh, not necessarily plotting, but more like road mapping where, A lot, like you said, is is being a recovering pantser. My mm-hmm. first couple of books were were pants like that. I mean, just sat yeah. down at a at a Google Doc and mm-hmm. and wrote, you know, fifty, sixty thousand words and called that a book. And right. um, but it's I think it's something that you learn as you do repetitions, much like anything else. You know, the more you do it, the better you get. And I think you also get better at discovering story elements along the way. Definitely. Yeah, I actually, something that's helped me a lot is, so I do plot and I'll try and make like an outline of, you know, kind of chapter by chapter. These are things, but I always start with my characters first. And I think that's just depending on what kind of writer you are, but I always start with one character and then create that character and then create the characters that they're inevitably going to have to interact with. So something that 
I've come up with that really works well for me is I call it my murder board. So I have, oh gosh, it's probably eight feet long by four feet tall. And it's a dry erase, it's like dry erase paint on my wall. And then I can, I go on Google and I find images of what my characters look like and I put them up and I write sort of their bios and, you know, the ones that are the black and white photos are murdered and the ones that aren't are alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> so you, you, you start with a, an almost plot, I guess you could call or an almost, uh, almost outline. Are you into any of the like writing softwares that are out there now, like Scrivener or uh, Vellum or anything like that? Or are you straight up word, word document kind of, kind of person? Yeah, I'm not. And I don't know if I should be. I'm, I'm so technologically challenged. It's not even funny. I don't even belong in the 21st century, but <laughs> I, I have friends who are fans of the software um, I'm honestly just too, I don't know if I'm too lazy to check it out. Maybe I'm, I'm just, I've got my word doc and that's all I need. And I just want to keep working in my Google doc, but yeah, right now yeah. I'm a Google docs person. Okay. See, I found writing in Google docs, at least for me is, is I would get to the point where it have 50 or 60,000 words and then my mm -hmm. computer would just bog down. Uh, my mm -hmm. browser would say, no, 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 this is way too much information. Yeah, I've had some scares like that. <laughs> I've and I've gotten to the point now where I say I'm really good at writing a first draft, and, and by that I'm I'm okay with a first draft just being super messy. Mm -hmm. Like I'll have you know forty or fifty handwritten pages over here, and ten or twenty thousand words in a word document. Mm -hmm. And what I'll do is um, start compiling all that into a program called Vellum, which. Oh as I piece it together and self edit my, my second draft essentially at that point is then something I can send off to my editor, which looks oh. you know, really good at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, I might have to check it out. <laughs> like I said earlier in your introduction, you know, you're the first um, traditionally published author I'll have on this show. Let's get into something we've never gotten into before. And that's the query process. So you finished okay. what would be, what become hello transcriber. Yep. And like you said, you know, it was the first one that you felt like, was ready to be sent out like that. You know, mm -hmm. let's hear about all the rejection letters. I mean, were, was it like uh, Stephen King talks about having 30 or 40 rejection letters or did you get picked up pretty quick? Oh no, it was, it was probably around Stephen King, maybe upwards yeah. of 40 or 50. <laughs> I mean, does that feel disparaging or do you just find the, the will to just press on? Yeah. I mean, disparaging is one way to put it, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think there's a human on the planet who likes or is even okay with rejection. I think no matter who you are and what you do, rejection hurts. But, you know, and for the most part, you can develop a thick skin and not really get, not really let them get to you. But after a point, you know, when 10 or 12 pile up, the self-doubt creeps in and, you know, you start feeling bad. But like at that point, I think you just kind of have to take a break. Like you just have to pull yourself away from your computer, stop thinking it, do something else. And, you know, for me, I, I just knew if I was kind of feeling discouraged, like to leave it for today and come back tomorrow. So it's like, you can feel bad for a little bit, but don't sit in those feelings and, you know, figure out what you're going to do. It means you're 
going to have to change up your query letter. <laughs> yeah. So revise and resubmit. And then you, you eventually did get agented and then sold to Macmillan. I would recommend for people who are interested in traditional publishing and, you know, you're sending out query letters is even if you think that the day that you're going to get a phone call from an agent will never come, you still should write a list of questions to have ready to ask literary agents when you do finally get on the phone with them. Because if you are diligent, you will get on the phone with an agent and they're going to ask, what kind of questions do you have for me? <laughs> and I really wish I had had something intelligent to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I feel like if, if it were me in that situation, I would just be like, nope, no questions. Let's just, let's get this thing published. That was me. Yeah. But she's like, you know, she's like, oh, no, no, don't do that. You know, she's like, you need to let people know because there's an etiquette. I think that's something you realize in the publishing industry is there's kind of this unwritten etiquette on these unwritten rules that you must abide by. Um, one of them, you know, she was, she was ready to give me an offer and, you know, an offer of representation. And I was like, all right, done, let's do it. And, um, <laughs> cause you know, obviously I wouldn't query an agent if I didn't think that they would be a good fit for me or my manuscript. So I was really excited about her and, she was like, nope, don't do that. She's like, you, you should let other agents know who you've queried that you have an offer of representation and like give them, you know, whatever amount of time, I think sort of the, you know, the unwritten standard there is like two weeks. So you okay. kind of give them two weeks and then you get a flood of phone calls because then people are like, oh, she has an offer. This must be good. And then they all want to talk to you. And then the tables have turned and you're, like, um, oh, wow, <laughs> what has <laughs> happened here? What kind of twilight zone are we in right now? It sounds like a whirlwind. It really is, yeah. And it's a huge, like, suddenly you're not selling yourself to them. Agents are trying to sell themselves to you. Okay. And it's really interesting. So I would definitely recommend people, if you when you are in that query process, or maybe a time when you have gotten a lot of rejections and you know that, you know, you're going to take a minute to revise your query letter and try again. And maybe in that in-between time, you know, just work on your questions like that you might want to ask a prospective agent. That's really, really good information. And like I said, I'm so glad that I have uh, an agented, traditionally published author uh, on the show to share some of that stuff that we have not been able to hear about uh, up to this point. I'm going to ask you a question. You, you don't have to answer it, but uh, is there a sequel? A sequel to Hello Transcriber planned? I mean, yes. Yes. Well, sort of an unofficial sequel. So, um, and actually, in fact, right before I jumped on with you, I got the first pass pages from my editor to go through and start proofreading. Um, but yeah, I say it's an unofficial sequel because it takes place in the same world of Black Harbor, but you don't, you don't necessarily have to have read Hello Transcriber to read the second one. Gotcha. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like, I like books where, you know, characters can kind of come in and out. I'm like, you know, I created this world black Harbor. I like living in it for a while. People seem to enjoy it. Why would I create a new world when I'm happy here? And that way I can still have characters, um, kind of come in and out of different books. But yeah, the second one is called the Widowmaker. 
Ooh. Can you give our <laughs> listeners who may have read Hello Transcriber yet any kind of details or a little, sure. little, yeah, little, um, little hint? So the Widowmaker features two different points of view. Um, one of them is Hudson. Uh, he's like a newly promoted detective at the Black Harbor Police Department, and he gets tasked with solving um, a 20-year-old cold case. Um, and then, you know, he ends up sort of unofficially partnering with this photographer named Morgan, who's back in Black Harbor after, you know, she's kind of on a down-on-her-luck streak, and he, Hudson discovers that Morgan's sordid past might have more to do with that cold case than anybody initially thought. Wow. I don't know uh, what kind of hoops I need to jump through to get on that beta reader list, but <laughs> I want to I want to be on it. Okay, good. <laughs> I will jot before, you down. Before I let you go, um, the last question is, let's say there's a, an aspiring author uh, or writer who comes up to you and says, oh my God, Hannah Morrissey, you're amazing. <laughs> I love your books. I have story ideas. I want to be a writer. What kind of What's your biggest piece of advice you would give to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice, and I would say because this is something I was reluctant to do early on, and then it's it's one of those things. I mean, you probably hear it over and over, and then you finally do it, and it really is a game changer. But to an aspiring writer who really wants to get published, I would say set a word count and stick to it. So... For me, my word count, it doesn't have to be huge. Mine started out as 250 words a day. And then my word count became 500 words a day. And then 750. And now, you know, and this is like, you know, kind of when I'm just in a first draft trying to get the story out. This doesn't, you know, not part of editing. But, you know, what was 250 words a day is now 1,000 words a day during the week and 2,000 words on Saturdays and Sundays. So if you set a word count and you stick to the word count, you know, you have a feeling of accomplishment every day when you complete that word count and you'll see like just how, how just efficiently you can write a novel. I love that. For me, it's a thousand words every day, five days a week. I, I don't write on the weekends. That's awesome. Um, but a thousand words a day, Monday through Friday, mm -hmm. uh, at, after four months, you know, that's, um, it ends up being 16 weeks. And so I've got 80,000 words of a first draft. In that right. That's a month. novel. <laughs> yep. That's a novel. Yeah. Hannah, where can, where can our listeners find you online? Oh, I am. I like to live on Instagram. So um, my Instagram handle is Hannah Morrissey writer. And I'm also, I have a Facebook page, Hannah Morrissey author. That's pretty much where I am. I have a website. I don't go on it a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of Twitter. So like I said, I'm technologically challenged. I like to hang out on Instagram and a little bit Facebook. That's perfectly okay. Hannah, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, thanks for I having think, me, Andrew. I think you have some some really great information for for the aspiring author, especially coming from, like I said, a traditionally published background like you have. Yeah, anytime. I'd yeah, happy to answer questions anytime, and I just really appreciate you having me today. And, and I can't wait to see the Widowmaker uh, beta reader version in my inbox. 
Yes, I will get that to you. I promise <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you, Hannah. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. You too. And that's our show today. Thank you so much to Hannah Morrissey for coming on to talk about her book, Hello Transcriber, and the wisdom she has to share with prospective and aspiring authors. Again, Hello Transcriber is her debut novel, and it's out now from Macmillan Publishing. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Indie Author Method podcast. Please give us five-star reviews, share the show with your friends, and if you're an indie author, I would love to hear from you. My email address is in the show notes, so feel free to send me a line. Also, be sure to check out this week's sponsor, The Subtle Nerd. A link to their apparel store will also be included in the show notes. Find the Indie Author Method podcast wherever you get your podcasts and keep writing. This is Andrew J. Brandt signing off.